Hi, welcome to Two Guys in Search of an Argument. We are kicking it old school today. No Shelly, no Peggy, me and John Heinz. John Heinz is in the free world. He is in Kyoto. And our guest, our very special guest, returning to the podcast, Richard Young. Richard is with us, and he is going to talk about his experience because he was in New York City this past weekend where they had the Pride events, the first time they've ever in New York held World Pride, as it is the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, which is attributed as electrifying the movement for rights for LGBT people. According to the New York Times, there were approximately 150,000 people participated in yesterday's parade. I don't know if Richard was actually in the parade or not. We'll find out. Welcome to the podcast, Richard. Thank you so much. Nice to be nice to be back, Jim and John. Hi. Hi. Uh, gre- greetings and good afternoon from um, Hell's Kitchen, New York, where I'm staying with dear friends that we all know. And yeah, it's been a, a roller coaster weekend. Very emotional. Very gr- great to be here in this momentous city from a momentous occasion. It's been goose- goosebumps all the way. Yesterday was incredible. In fact, I did more than one Pride March yesterday. I did two. There's a Reclaim Pride Coalition, which marched up 6th Avenue, while the other one was starting to go down the other way on 5th Avenue. Yes. So I was going to ask you about that. That yeah. was the all, so-called alternative Pride, yes. which actually followed the route of the original Pride Parade, the original one that was back in 1970, okay. went up 6th Avenue, as opposed to the one the official one that went down Fifth Avenue, right, toward to Greenwich Village. Yes. So they marched up and the other guys marched down. What were they like? Compare the two for us. Well, I mean, very, very different. You know, one is corporate, corporate sponsors, big show, Hollywood kind entertainment. Amazing, amazing. And you know, that's what four million people came to the city for. But, you know, what I saw at 11 o'clock marching up, Sixth Avenue, I thought was much more entertaining and real. And, uh, you know, I was I was transfixed by a group called what were they called? Brazilian Brazilian trans people's rights or something. Just a group of gorgeous gender fluid people. So we say I don't want to be I don't want to make any micro trans uh, micro transgressions, micro. What's the word? Aggression. Microaggressions. This is my new word that Bradley taught me yesterday. Microaggressions. I'm not allowed to ask anybody where they come from or what their gender is. So so what (laughs) I'm trying to say is that what I experienced and saw, you know, the diversity and the humanity, you know, nowhere else on the planet. Do you see what you what you saw here? And I've been to a few prides in various cities in Chicago. I've been to Pride here in 2013. This is a, a mega production, and to, to see the two sides of it, the corporate and the non-corporate, was also very very special. And to see someone lose their MAGA hat when a, a gang of women assaulted him almost and threw his red hat off into the puddle <laughs> in the, on the sidewalk was also pretty amazing. That the cops just stood by and watched that happen. So yeah, it's it's all been going on here, hot and sweaty, and a roller coaster ride of emotions. And to see everything that's happened since Stonewall fifty years ago, it's come a long way. My favorite photo, the one photo I saw, Richard, that you sent me was the photo of Gay Street, which is the street on which the Stonewall Inn is. You know, is is, is... Christopher Street. Yeah. Well, there's. I'm sorry. Next, Christopher Street, next to Gay Street. 
and below Gay Street, you sent me the sign with all the other where New York had put up like 30 other, 20 other signs yeah. with which trans streets, lesbian yeah. streets, uh, bisexual street. And it was and I thought and that sign, for some reason, there was something, you know, the official imprimatur of the city put on street signs seemed like such a I don't know, it was different colors with the rainbow colors for some reason really struck me. So I'm wondering, like, kind of just i don't know other quirky things that you saw that maybe did you didn't see at other prides because i feel like there has to be so many the groups of of people especially on the on the Co- coalition resist resist pride march first of all just the sheer number of people just with handmade placards you know wearing clothes from the thrift shop marching screaming at quite an angry quite a militant crowd it wasn't nearly as celebratory as the sort of corporate sponsor. Let's all get on the pride bandwagon and use our, use the flag going down the other way. So I would say that I saw militancy. I saw people who were generally angry with the situation that about the immigrants and what's happened down on the border and the money being spent on a wall that could have been spent on other things. Very, very political, very angry crowd and how they responded to the guy with the MAGA hat on was evidence of that. If I can ask you both a question, taking off on what Richard's talking about, because there were the two different marches, your personal opinion, both of you, should there be room for both both the anger, both the sense of passion that things still need to be addressed, but also room for the celebration? Because indeed, so much has changed in the past 50 years. For me, if I wouldn't want to create the equivalency between the two events from, from what I've read and from what I understand and from kind of the, tra- the trajectory that I think history is taking on this. I really kind of don't want to make the dichotomy about anger and non-anger or peace or something like that. Or, or even, I don't even know if I like corporate and non-corporate. It seems to me that, that, that if there's a trajectory that I'm seeing, especially from my friends in New York, who I talk to, um, and in larger cities, maybe, I guess in the West, but, but, you know, funny, maybe even here in Japan too, is this idea of intersectionality and how the big, the, the coming change is, is the awareness that even the LGBTQ movement, which keeps adding letters, and that's good because really it is just one big thing is one big thing that includes looking at all kinds of issues that we historically thought were maybe distinct from traditional identity uh, tribalism, like sexuality, gender identity, and now bringing them all together. So things like poverty reduction and clean air and clean water, anything else you want to bring to the to the table is is all part of one conversation. And it can't really be comfortably locked away in this one box called diversity with a rainbow flag that, you know, there can be a policy on at a corporate office and that there's something more complex to it than that, that involves something more broad and more, I don't know, all in encompassing for how we view society. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure anybody really knows what that looks like exactly. But I think that's, that's how I would distinguish the two. And for me, that second one, I think is something that it it just needs to be addressed. And it needs to be something we're talking about more. Richard, what do you think? It's a it's a it's a hard one. I think there was a sea change yesterday. The people I've talked to here and I've been out with locals uh, for, for lunch today who live and work in, in my sphere of education. It felt like there there is something changing, that there, there's going to be so many people demanding different things under this pride umbrella, umbrella now. And Valerie told an interesting story back in the, about the UK. There was an incidence of the gay community in the 70s in the UK supporting the miners' strikes. Huh. 
in uh, in Wales? Why would the gay community go and protect, you know, pit closures, coal pit closures in the UK in the 70s? I mean, look at that. What would possibly be the connection between a group of Welsh miners and the, and the gay liberation movement in the UK in the 70s? So I, I think that there are a lot more, as John says, people who are going to come to the cause. There's going to be lots of factions splitting off and making different things from this because the fact that it has been hijacked by, you know, Crate and Barrel and Bed Bath and Beyond for your happy pride has put a lot of people off. So I, th- I think there's going to be a lot more uh, soul searching and, and things going in different ways. And I, of course, love Bed Bath and Beyond, and I love Crate and Barrel. So I just want, just to be clear, if they want to sponsor the podcast, we welcome. Okay, but what about up. that? Because one of the one of the motivations by the people who organized the alternative march in New York was that they they sort of reject the idea of the corporations participating. Do you guys think that if it were if it were up to you, should corporations be participating in gay pride marches or not? Okay. Having seen the alternative, I would say no, but I wouldn't have said that until I'd seen the alternative. John, you agree? For me, it, it's simple. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't have them excluded categorically. I definitely think I'm much more familiar with New York's always had more community groups in it than Chicago's pride in my, in my experience. And other people may take exception to that. And people certainly may have data on that. That's much more accurate than mine. But my perception was always that there was more of it in sh- places like Chicago than in New York. And my argument always was that it's not that you necessarily should exclude categorically. It's just that the, the point of the event was to to display the the kind of ta- the complex tapestry that is the community. And the community, for me, certainly, if an employer wants to support, I mean, I'm not going to say no to that. One of my, you know, I think. So I, it sounds like you're looking at it differently then. Well, I remember early on when like AT and T marched, and I was like, okay, I don't. Right. I don't like this, but I also kind of understand there's something good about it. So I wouldn't categorically reject, but I do think that it has been completely taken over by big business. It it really has. I mean, to, if you look at the last even five, six years, the, the, the number of community groups and just individuals and it's, it's in Chicago, it feels like 100% politicians and, um, and organizations and politicians are another interesting one. Like, you know, it's, I loved when politicians marched cause it was like taking a stand. Um, and it really felt important, but now it's like all politicians and you keep wondering like, where are we, where are we, the people? Um, and unlike in France where, when there's a March, the March isn't something you stand on the sidelines and watch, but you participate participate in, I kind of feel like that's what really is being lost, where it's more of a show and less of an event for people to participate in. But on the other hand, just the mere fact that so many mainstream politicians want to participate in this march, that it's not a bad, you know, is a symbol of of the change that has occurred. Right. I mean, because you, I doubt there were any politicians marching in 1970. Sure. Right? I mean, exactly. so the fact, exactly. I mean, that is, you know, that that is a marker of what's happened, right? 
Well, it was the same Indeed, with corporations, was... though, Jim. There were no corporations or businesses who sure, were marching absolutely. in 1972, I, and those sure are also true, markers. Yeah. So that's why people who people who remember that history are appreciative for what it means. It's a problem when it's completely taken over by that, and it becomes another Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade, where it's you know just a show and a spectacle that's entirely run like a business, and there's no room for community groups. There's no room for splinter groups. There's no room for new ideas and new thoughts. So before I forget, Richard, you referenced the uh, the gay involvement in the Welch mining strike, and there is actually a very film. good movie. Yes, movie. Yes, f- film about that, Pride. Pri- which was called Pride, yes. from 2014, directed by and I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, Matthew Warkus or Warchus. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's a pretty. If you have not, if you guys haven't seen it, or if anybody's listening who hasn't seen it. I, I strongly recommend it. It's a, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. So let me ask maybe even even a harder question, because this was also the subject of some controversy at a number of gay pride events in the United States this time around. It's been, I'm sure, a source of controversy before, and that is the participation of police representatives in the pride parades. What do you guys think about that? From my point of view, what I saw yesterday was a massive, absolutely massive police operation on every corner and every street. There must have been drafted many, many police stations from outside the Manhattan area. Specifically, police officers marching in the parade. That is a subject of controversy in a number of pride events. There were some pride events this time in in certain cities that banned police from marching in the pride parade. Well, they were definitely, you know, there were, were the firemen, there were the policemen, were, everyone was marching in New York yesterday. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Do you, you have any problem with that? I don't. I think it's great. I think the more people who, who can participate and exactly. feel, feel supported by their organization, whether it's a corporation or a, a social, the local government organization, I think the better it is. I think the more understanding will come from people seeing those people marching. Well, I have a question for you, Richard. Do European pride marches have the police marching in them? That's a good question. I would say I've seen it in London, but I haven't seen it in Madrid or Barcelona. Certainly in Madrid, you've seen the firemen, the because firemen. we all know that the yeah. firemen in Madrid are the yes. highlight of the entire event. They and are. Jim, for, for I'm assuming you haven't been there, and maybe for our audience who have not been there, I've never the been Madrid there. Pride is one of the most, well, it's particularly warm. One might even say scalding hot in Madrid during Pride. And the firemen come along and spray the crowd. And it is, and firemen, I think, I think maybe, correct me if I'm wrong about this, Richard, but isn't firemen like a, it's like a, it's like a post, it's like a national service thing. So it's all like young guys and there's something, it's true in France. I don't know if that's true in Spain. They're called bomberos. Bomberos. So basically, what you're saying is it's all good-looking young men is what you you're got saying. It. You got it, Jim. You got so it. So that is so another anyway, reason it's fought the, high, it's the high point, point of the parade. The but the firemen are, right, so there's guys. no controversy there. However, I know the controversy in the U.S., so I think this, this whole police in or out thing is a uniquely U.S. Um, controversy, I think. U.S. and U.K. U.S. and U.K. That may be. U.S. and U.K. That may be. But again— What's your feeling about it? Yeah, so my feeling is, I mean, again, I think I, I appreciate the people who are critical of it and think that the, that the, you know, the apologies from the New York Police Department about Stonewall 50 years later might be too little too late and that there's a reason to say to be critical of that. I also think it's lovely. I think it's great that you have 
um, you know, that you have public officials who are, are able, willing, and, um, and vocal about standing up and, and, and saying something like that so much later. I think participating in a way that is, I, I remember in the Chicago parade, whenever I saw the, the Chicago police marching, it always was special, but because it wasn't the police department that was watching, but it was the out police officers who were marching. And I loved seeing the out police officers because I was like, this is, these are my, these, there's a, there's a cross connection here between this organization that is ostensibly here to serve me and, you know, this community with which I associate so closely. Let me ask you guys another question, each of you in turn again. What is the first time you can remember that you yourself went, participated in, and attended a gay pride event, and where was it? When when was it, and where was it? The first time you remember you yourself being at one of those. Okay, I remember in Brighton in England, where I used to live on the south coast of England, going to a pride parade in Preston Park. That must have been do, 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 late 80s, maybe. And it was a very simple affair with fairground atmosphere, not many floats, not militant, very much a happy, joyous occasion. Yeah, that was my first experience. And then everything became corporate after that and people charging entrance tickets to go to Pride in London or Brighton. So it, it got really, really, yeah, from from the sort of mid-90s. Is that common that, that they charge entrance to go to the, to actually just see the parade they charge or just for other different Pride events? There's a march, and then things seem to end in a park. And recently, of the let's say from the 2000s or mid 2000s, there's been charges to get into the park to be part of it, which I think is pretty bad. In the UK, is it a required donation or is it an actual ticket only? That's a good question. I think um, they call it a donation. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Because we have, you know, certainly in the Chicago one, people will, they have these required donations or these, these donations. And then people just don't want, who don't want to pay, don't pay. And no one really cares. And, you know, it's just a way of them trying to raise some money. I don't know. You know, it's always a question whether it's going to the businesses that are in the neighborhood or not. And one of the things that I've always loved about New York Pride is that New York Pride keeps expanding its route to take in the entire city. Whereas a lot of other cities kind of keep the gay march in the gay neighborhood, which symbolically at least really says something really different than if you do a march that goes outside of the kind of gay ground zero. I don't live in New York. I know some people. I'm related to some people who live there, John. I think the gay neighborhood in New York is the entire city, frankly, right now. I don't yeah, think you can correct, say correct. that there's a gay neighborhood correct. in it New is. York. Exactly. There's a gay city. It, it, somewhat akin to San Francisco, I think. John, what about you? What's your first that, uh, Pride event you remember attending personally? Yeah, I think the first was one was in Chicago. It had to be in the early 90s. I just remember being with a group. I was I was working with a, a group of uh, teachers called GLSEN. That's still ex- a group that still exists. Back then it was GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. And it was a Chicago chapter that I was a part of. And I remember going with a bunch of friends for that and marching at least a couple of years. What I, I don't even remember the details. I just remember the emotion. I mean, it's it was a combination opportunity of seeing everybody you could you could possibly know and feeling this incredible connection with the world. It was fantastic. So I remember that early on. Since then, I mean, I've been to a bunch. I think I think that for me, it's that sense of community and and really, you know, I was very emotional yesterday seeing all these people of different generations and how each one's had their different struggles and stories and it just. 
in a country like you, the US of A, it just comes up, it's, it's, you see it more in people's faces and their emotions than you do in other countries. It is, it is, it is a great, uh, it's a, a very emotional spectacle to see all these people of so many different generations come together. Yeah. John, I don't know if you remember this, but in the mid to late 90s one year, you were in D.C., happened to be in D.C., or maybe you came to D.C. deliberately when they had the D.C. Pride March. And I actually, and not only myself, and I think my son John went with you for that. I don't know if you remember I remember that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course I remember that. And I definitely do remember coming. I'm sure I planned it around that weekend. I wanted to be yeah, there. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm sure it wasn't just a total coincidence. And, you know, Richard, I'm curious about that, too. Like, why, when you're when you're saying that difference, talk about that a little bit. How 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 is Pride categorically different in Europe? Because all the World Prides, which, you know, this is the first one that was in New York, all the World Prides in the past, I believe they've all, have they all, ex- one's been in Brazil and all the rest Madrid. were in it's Europe? Madrid. Madrid as well. It was in Madrid last year or the year before. It's been recently in Madrid. It's always been in Madrid. So how so how is it different? You're saying that fam- there aren't as many families? It seems to be there's more international associations paying for people to go there. I mean, there, there was definitely lots of Caribbeans and uh, and Brazilians. And yeah, it's just, how can, how can I say it? The, the, yeah, it's the multiculturality of this city. It, it can't be rivaled anywhere in the world. You know, I think, I think London's great, but really New York and what it draws people from so many different areas creates this environment and now so many young people are involved i think in my you know when i was younger it seemed that everyone doing pride was a lot older and there was something to aspire to now you know there's so many teens and kids i was at a private party on 5th and 11th with some people from parsons and you know there were a bunch of trans kids and 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 teachers and and lesbians and there it was just such a great environment and uh, very inclusive well, Richard, to answer that question that Jim, Jim asked from the perspective of one of those kids, if you think you were to ask one of those kids or we would ask one of those kids, you know, what do you think about the two parades and what do you think about the corporate versus non-corporate and what do you think about the, the police, what would they say? What would they say? What is Stonewall? I mean, I asked some of them, what is Stonewall? They didn't know. Okay. I mean, they've only just heard about Stonewall. I mean, because it's big in New York. If you're from New York, you see Stonewall 50 everywhere. It's sort of on the sign next to World Pride. So that's that's new in their heads, and they think, "Wow, fifty years! You know, it's a long time when you long time ago when you were only twenty-five. So I think that there are there are those that you know see it in such a different way from the old people who've survived, you know, the age epidemics and seen friends die, to to the younger club kids who who look at it in a different way and see all their their pop idols on stage or you know been following Madonna for the last twenty thirty years. I don't know. It's every generation has something to get for it, but it's not all the same thing. It's definitely not all the same focus. There's a lot of elderly generations of New Yorkers that I've met. Was the conversation more about the entertainment aspect of it among the people you saw, or was it more among the political kind of aspect of the of the parade and the events? What fascinated me is how few people knew about the alternative parade. It was almost like, oh, really? We live in the city, we didn't hear about it, because I think it was, it was pretty underground. And yet I read about it in a, in a London newspaper, The Guardian. So, you know, I found out about it the day before. It, there's been so much publicity about the event, you know, the alternative event. Right. was almost, yeah, they were surprised to hear about it and my comments on it and the, the, how natural it was and, and home, homemade in comparison. To have seen a bit of both was was a privilege, but I, and I really preferred the first one. I didn't go on to the end of the march, and it finished up in Central Park, 
starting Christopher Street went up to Central Park, I didn't see the end of it. But what I saw was was real. And as I said before, a little bit militant. Well, one thing we John and I and Shelley and Peggy had talked about doing was doing a sort of a deep dive on matters related to the LGBTQ community and, and have John Gentile, who is of the next generation, at least from you guys, uh, on to talk about that as well. So maybe if we do end up doing that at some point in the future, Richard, you can join us because I think it would, I think there is probably generational differences in how some of these things are are viewed and maybe maybe that accounts for some of it i'm just speculating i'm certainly not speaking for anyone but it's possible that some of the things that are celebrated some of the achievements that are celebrated it wouldn't be surprising that the next generation or the next two generations looks on them as well those things we already know about uh let's not worry about celebrating them let's talk about the stuff we need to work on now yeah Undoubtedly, you know, undoubtedly that the time and the circumstances under which you've had your experiences will change your uh, your point of view on some of these things. I think. I think that's. And good. then remembering that you know Generation Z, as you call it here, I'd call it Z. They're all about the experience. Mm. So you know what what is the is it about the experience, the here and now, and all these flamboyant costumes and the wow factor in the moment. Or is it looking back and thinking about Martha P. Johnson? Who Do they know who Martha P. Johnson was? No. Well, I'm sure my son John probably does know that. He is not Generation Z. He's a millennial. So <laughs> Me too. we'll have Just, to deal with him on that. Uh, <laughs> which, well, I don't know. Well, we'll get, We've had like a zillion discussions about where the line is between Gen X and millennial. But it'd be interesting because uh, John was born in 1989. So uh, obviously his perspective is different. Yeah, I think that the perspectives of the different generations are important. But, you know, it's it's so I think it's fun and refreshing when I bump into people who have no idea what Stonewall was and have no idea that there even is a pride. And, you know, that's what amazes me is that I still hear I bump into people and kids and we had Shanghai pride two weeks ago. And, you know, it's it's really noticeable in China, the the, the kind of way it's closing up. In, in so many ways, even in the two years that I was in Shanghai, pride one year versus pride the next year was notably downgraded and muted from one year to the next. And it's, it's, you know, it's not like in Hong Kong where there are protests and it's getting, it's getting headlines, but there's quiet stuff happening because it just isn't what it was from one year to the next. And given how the entire global trend is the other direction, it really, it really stands out. And when I see people, you know, I don't know, I love the, there's nothing more invigorating than being in that environment of pride or being at something where you're just inspired by the sense of community and growth and hope and optimism, but it's limited in where it is in the world, right? I mean, it's not everywhere and it's, it's, and there are, I don't know if I want to say forces of darkness, but there are definitely challenges that we're going to face. Unfortunately, there are forces of darkness everywhere. They're stronger in some places than in other places. Clearly. Also, parenthetically, I want to note that what an amazing coincidence that you're not having any trouble staying on the broadcast this time, huh? I think that's probably just a coincidence, <laughs> right, John? It has nothing to do yeah, with the right, fact exactly. that you're in Kyoto and not Shanghai. No right? VPNs. 
no VPNs. Nope. Nope. It's noticeable the difference. It's it's really noticeable. But I am I am one of the great regrets of my life, Richard, is gonna be that I missed uh World Pride and the fiftieth. So I'd love to hear any moments of kind of uh excitement or fun that you had. So t- tell us what else what where else were you? Well, I mean for me the the biggest thing hit me was the gender fluidity. Also hanging around with these kids, the friends of friends and, and just to hear their conversations and how easy they are with not being one thing or the other, you know, when you grow up, they did the, the definition thing, that being of putting someone in a box, which is, I don't know, maybe very British or maybe generational in my case, there's such a, there's such a, a sliding scale. Do you remember those uh, slide rules? Did you have them at school? They probably don't exist anymore now, but that, that something <laughs> it's undefinable and to see so many different types and, you know, I'm not going to create any more, microaggressions by saying where are you from or what sex are you but there was so many we'll people in that march we'll have to edit them out we'll have to edit them out Richard. <laughs> okay right and then there's the, the flag the trans flag you know one of the kids had a trans I said what's that flag I'd never seen it before so I'm yeah I'm, I'm learning I'm you know it's uh well it the was, whole nature of the flag experience. is fascinating right the flags are yeah. like the whole idea of a flag mm-hmm. is is so in is obviously and tied up with identity and the question is yeah. really there's a big question here is this about identity anymore or is it just go to all of life or all of society or everything that we're we need to be doing across identity does it does it bridge does it bridge sexuality to class gender race uh, nationality whatever all those things does it connect is the end of identity politics here which is a question i always want to bring up and jim always shoots down for an idea for a podcast because it's too vague jim's like void for vagueness and uh which is fine with me but i also think it's like you know for me it's really interesting to get into you know the, to see which especially young people are 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 saying we need more flags well you know and versus the other people who say we need no flags as i said john first of all that's the kind of thing a we need to have someone john or someone like him on and also i think we need to have someone who is uh uh at least uh of one of some other gender so that it is not dominated by uh, 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 people who are, are cis male in the right. discussion. Right, right, right. So, yeah, for sure. So that's my, my concern is that if we're going to do that discussion, we do it right and have the appropriate guests to that discussion is, is as robust as it ought to be. But it is, it's a terribly, from my perspective as a straight white male, cis male, it is a terribly complex discussion and and also a terribly interesting one. But I, I do, I think that, and again, obviously speaking from my perspective, I think it is amazing to me just how different it is in terms of the attitudes, especially among young people. My experience growing up was that there was nothing that anybody who was even potentially teased about being gay or being different would run from that as fast as they could because, you know, they didn't want to deal with whatever the dishonor that would supposedly bring. And I I get the sense that that has changed a great deal. Not that we have arrived at nirvana or anything, 
but it certainly has changed a great deal from when I was a child. Well, Jim, this is what's important to me because having been at a school for the last year in China in a very posh school among fairly privileged international kids in in one of the you know largest cities in the world, admittedly in a you know behind a behind a, a, a great Chinese firewall, but 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 in a large city nonetheless, was that I saw a lot of students who did the same thing this year that they did when I was, that other kids did when I was a first year teacher and I was 24 years old, which was kids who seem like they might be displaying some, you know, word on the street is they're identifying as gay or they're chan- or trans or gender fluid. And they're, and they're avoiding me like the plague because I'm the out teacher who, you know, the, even associating with me you know, kind of a uh, puts up puts up alarms and sets off, and that's I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's still around today. And I guess that's kind of my agenda is, especially as I consider moving back to a farm in the middle of Illinois, is that I think that a lot of us who live in kind of you know high density urban, a progressive politically environments right. might miss the fact that there there is so much of the world out there that is not necessarily you know maybe they can't resist the change or maybe I don't know, but I I do think that there's something to be said for you know kind of creating a way of having everybody have the conversation in i don't know bringing everybody up to speed oh i agree and i mean that's i mean clearly the experience of being a teenager right now in new york city or london or someplace is very different from the experience of being a teenager in and and again i hesitate to say a specific place we can say certainly from being a teenager in shanghai for as far as this goes but also certainly parts of the United States, parts of Great Britain, parts of uh, of the world. Uh, there are parts where uh, it's it's very different than it is in certain sort of cosmopolitan areas. Right. I mean, that's true for so many things and is in some respect goes back to the the tremendous political discord that is going on in in this country and in many countries in Europe because there is a just a deeply divided society and and a lot one of the big divides is you know for want of a better term is like a sort of urban rural divide between big city people who are predominantly looking at the world one way and people that don't live in big cities and are in a large part looking at the world a different way and it's reflected in society, and it's reflected in media, and it's reflected in politics. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why this is a particularly harrowing time in uh, a number of countries. In I don't know, are we still allowed to say in the West, or is that a microaggression? I'm not sure. <laughs> it might be. Good question. But... I just want to. I just like to add something. I I agree with everything that that Jim just said. That, but one one of the guys that I was with for, for lunch today, a guy with friend of a friend from Parsons, he was saying how, how different the socioeconomics were in the 70s and 80s for him in New York, how you were, sh- how you were shunned into different groups. You were part of the Far Island set or you were part of the Harlem set. And the, I was fascinated to hear that discussion. And again, I, I can't answer if it's like that now, but to hear him talking and had that experience of being a New Yorker for the last 45, 50 years, he, he said so many interesting things to me that made me think, wow, there was, you know, even then the sort of Republicans and the Democrats and, you know, you li- where do you live, you know, postcode lottery, how much do you earn, even back then. And that, that segregated a lot of people. And the people growing up in rural Illinois, where John's about to retire to, 
They have a very different view from people living in lower Manhattan. Retire? Sure. There's no retiring <laughs> <Sorry>. happening. <laughs> the, yeah, I agree. No, it's, 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 it's a big deal. You know, as, as Richard, maybe you even missed it, you know, as World Pride was happening in New York, in Hong Kong, there were kids who had kind of raised the stakes on the protests against the legislature in Hong Kong, and they were using a, a, a made-up, a makeshift battering ram to break into the, to the assembly hall to protest the, the celebration that was going on inside of the handover of, of Hong Kong back to China. And it got a lot of, I, I actually, I, hilariously, right, I'm on the, I'm flying from Shanghai to, to Osaka, where Donald Trump had just left moments earlier to leave Osaka to go to, to um, North Korea. As I was reading an article about Hong Kong protests in the New York Times. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what a world. And there is something to be said for us getting out of our, our of, of how we've gotten out of the, it's impossible for us to remain in the little tribes that we've been in. And no matter what that, what that might be, if that's a radically conservative Christian group in central Illinois, and having to face the fact that your son and son and, and son's husband might be having a child soon. And, uh, or if it's something else, but you, I think that having, I think that, I think that those traditional labels and categories, I think are going away. And I don't, and I would love Jim, I would love the idea of getting somebody on who can talk to us who's at the kind of vanguard which i know your son john is uh at that at the kind of that discussion like what is what are people saying is next in terms of a viable way to move forward where we can actually i don't know maybe be a little less fragmented and unified and maybe we can't be for a while i'm sure it'll be messy but i'm still curious about it yeah i agree that would be interesting we'll have to do it john We'll have to keep yes. the podcast alive long enough to do that for sure. <laughs> Good. All right. Cool. Uh, Richard, any parting thoughts uh, as you're as you're leaving? I have one one quick question for you. I know you're yeah. you've you've been with uh, our friends Tom and Valerie and our little friend Oliver. I'm curious if Oliver had any exposure to Pride. They they had a brief experience in in Chelsea. Yes, uh, I wasn't with them unfortunately, but they did have a brief experience. I think on the on 7th Avenue because the, the, the main parade did a loop, uh, went down 5th along 10th, is it, or 11th, and then up again on 7th. Anyway, it did the loop, and he caught it a bit on the loop, and I think he was uh, had a lot of questions for Mummy and Daddy about that, so they, they did get a taste of it. I understand there was also a sort of a, a, ki a kid's party down there on 4th Avenue south of Union Square that, that we didn't get to. A very, very emotional. A great privilege to be here. Really fantastic, guys. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this. This is great, Richard. I know you're. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this in the middle of the party. Yes, thank you, Richard. Share some of the pictures. I will. <laughs> no, the party's over. I'm flying back. I'm flying back to Europe tomorrow, and uh, I'm going to dinner with my lovely hosts. So uh, cool, lovely. I bid you all a very good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Safe travels. Thanks. Thank you, Richard. I just want to say I hope we are back on the air soon. I know you have some things, and we have some things to square away, but I hope we're on back on the air soon with you back in these good old United States. So anyway, welcome home sort of Thanks. to you and Ted. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. That is another session of Two Guys in Search of an Argument. We have special thanks for Ted Enlay for the theme music, Mary Heinz for her production skills and her patience with all of us. 
Uh, if you'd like to leave us a voice memo or an email comment, we would love to hear it. We'd love to hear suggestions for a topic, suggestions for guests, any suggestions in general. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Play, iTunes, or basically anywhere you can hear podcasts. And please tune in in a fortnight. Thanks so much.